thanks Shreeni, completely relate to that. A kind of a story, I just recall a story in my life and, and would like to share it. The event was very negative, but the result of it, the way I had consolidated my narrative around that particular event, led to a lot of positive things. When I look back at it, it, it is quite interesting. I lost my oldest brother when I was in my fourth grade, roughly about nine years then. And that event literally devastated me, but given the busy life, uh, all of us had to move on. So we moved on. And during my journey of, say, discovering the roots of my ego, I found it useful to do a chronological life review, to actually recollect events of my life in a in a chronological manner, starting from the earliest years that I could possibly remember, so which is possibly from the ages of five, six, and so on. My ninth year of my life was, was one of the worst to re-experience, if you would. It so appeared that the memory of the death of my brother and the memory of, you know, how I wanted to live with him that I had actually fueled during my childhood was so near and dear to me. So I, I actually spent almost 20 minutes reliving that year and I was unable to go forward. And coincidentally, random images of people popped up. I mean, this is completely out of the blue. From For a few minutes, it just didn't make any sense. The common factor is uh, all of them are my uh, friends who are roughly about 20 years older to me. My, bro my brother was 20 years older to me. I started recollecting images of those friends. They had zero connection with my brother. There's no possibility that they could have known my brother at all, but how did they even pop up? When I probed into the story, it was even mind-blowing to me. And that's when my understanding of the brain and how tirelessly it works as a humble servant, it was mind-blowing for me. About four years after my brother had passed away, my father stopped his car to, to fill some petrol in a petrol bunk. And it was those days when you had to buy oil and, and oil your engines. So we were waiting at the counter where they sell the oil. And after purchasing the oil, my dad turns back and looks up at the person who is just behind him and waiting in the queue and looks up at him and says, oh my God, this can't be true. When that person heard that comment, naturally he became a bit defensive. It's like, have I done something wrong? My dad said, no. You resemble my son so much. Yeah, so they exchanged a few words and he asked, uh, so what's your son doing now? And my father pointed out to the skies and he quickly understood and, and the whole tone of the conversation changed. The man who was there possibly to buy the oil, he said, okay, oil can wait. He spent a lot of time with my dad. But, you know, five minutes among strangers is, is a fairly a lot of time in, the, in this world. So he started comforting my father my father you know, concluded that conversation with a statement that whenever I see people you know, who are roughly in his age group, like you, I get reminded of him. Yeah, I tell this to you, you know, I would have, I would have in any way told it to him if he were alive, but I feel like telling this to you, all the best to you, my son. He used the word, my son. And that person was quite moved. What had happened that, that time, I fired a memory, a kind of an aspirational memory that Anybody in that particular age group is like my brother. And that memory would guide me throughout my life. Whenever I met a person who's, who roughly matches those characteristics, fundamentally who is about 20 years older to me, I was subconsciously drawn to have a conversation with, with that person. And, and a lot of, lot of my friends during early work years where all people were older to me, exactly say roughly between 18 to 22 years older to me, if you will. 
and all these memories suddenly all these the, the images of these friends suddenly popped up when i was recollecting the experience of my brother that's when i realized why was the brain actually doing this the brain's actually doing this thinking i like it had it been somebody who has done something horrendously wrong to our family and i had fired a memory that people of this age or people of this kind are evil and i need to stay away from them the brain would still use that same memory to guide me and tell me that hey you might be walking into a you know might be you know you're confronting a situation a person who who satisfies these criteria and therefore you know be watchful but here it was the situation was different so i was drawn to have conversations with these you know other friends of mine which led to a led me to a kind of a conclusion that the brain's actually trying to help and it's a very compassionate and selfless organ uh it was then that i realized that there is more to hurry than what actually meets the eye i had a choice then to continue the narrative or rather to continue that particular pattern of liking people like my brother in in his particular age group or stop it and i said okay i chose the latter i said okay let me stop it it's okay my brother's gone and there's no way i'm going to kind of you know retrieve him back into this world it's it's fine it's it's okay it's just it, it was it was a good experience with with him so i need not carry forward that experience wherever i go and from that day on i have in fact not had any kind of subconscious motivations to to go have a conversation with people of you know people who belong to that particular age age group if you will so after this experience it drove me to a conclusion that the brain is actually trying to help rather than misguide me and i may be even duped to thinking that the brain is misguiding me because it's using the wrong information during my post mortem analysis but if i were to understand it from the brain's perspective the brain would argue that i thought you like this information that's why i'm using it it kind of was quite quite enlightening to me that the brain accumulates information thinking it's it's really important for me and it's it's important that we understand how the brain actually works and categorizes information especially our narrative what we tell ourselves at any given point in time so we constantly keep talking to ourselves so if that self talking is conscious then i think we can live a life of fulfillment if that self talking is really unconscious and non directional or goes in all directions then suffering is inevitable just want to share those uh, perspectives uh hari uh, very sorry to hear and uh, uh bereavement is serious trauma especially uh bereavement of loved ones it is a trauma and uh, in fact the coping mechanisms of trauma is something which uh, you have done it on your own that's how uh, usually uh, we say time is the best healer but why we say whatever you have done uh, is how you approached it you know the way in which you have to cope with the reality and uh, the reality is uh, the person is not there anymore mm. okay uh, and uh, so the body has to uh, hurry as a body has to accept it but it's a it's a scar you know typically uh, we have seen uh, in fact scars on tissues okay of if you're going to do a mri a kind of an um, angio of angio mri in terms of how the blood flows uh, in the human brain uh, especially when the studies are pointed out you know the studies are pointed out that uh, coping with bereavement is the most difficult part of it in fact that's where people get into many times depression because acceptance to reality ceases in fact uh, 
there are a lot of movies which have been made in terms of how bereavement uh, you know has led to depression in fact uh, when i'm talking to you in india there are a lot of people who are going through bereavement depression uh, but coping a bereavement uh, needs time i'm glad you did it in a natural way when i say glad because it could be someone whom was kind of related someone who could be a friend someone whom you know so now coming to the mechanics of how the brain works the brain has to encode all the events that you that your body senses through the eye so it has to register brain has to keep doing it like if you put a seed on the soil any type of seed that you sow on the soil would germinate that is the property of the soil that is the property of the seed similarly the property of the brain is to analyze keep sending you that data like it's like a post office uh, it hmm. has to sort the letters it has to give those letters to those respective people to whom it has to reach but why it happens in terms of uh, why that time period is needed to cool off or to accept the reality is uh, those set of connections those proteins that power that memory in you you know which keeps sending you i think you have a very strong mechanism wherein you came out of it in terms of saying that you have agreed you know you kind of first felt that okay there's a loss then you your brain said okay i will kind of substitute it with someone else a brother figure so you you allowed that to also happen and after that you you kind of you became so aware that why should i even do it and you you know that substitution also stopped so that's how you kind of uh, a person who has fallen and broken their limbs you know they cannot start running again you know it is like in steps now the brain friendly way it has to go but having said how it is this is where the science does not answer in fact when i talk to uh, some of the leading neuroscientists be it professors or you know who are my friends or the doctors uh, this is the exact space where neuroscience stops and philosophy you know the, the the spirituality is needed in the society especially i find this in india hari and i find it extremely kind of bothersome because as soon as we talk about spirituality as soon as we talk about philosophy people switch off and uh, little realizing that that is what actually is an antidote for things that the science cannot address uh, if i'm going to go back to history this is a very good example i would like to talk about i'm going back to history a bit you know when uh, lord rama had lost sita you know she was kidnapped even as uh, as god you know as an avatar even he went through that loss uh, he lost meaning he he was not balanced he was like in a state of depression if whatever valmiki describes today if i'm going to write a case study on it that kind of resembles a bit of depression because his law his wife has been taken away you know by one of the enemy but he found that mechanism to cope with it and that's why uh, we should not take our history you know we should not forget our history saying it is not going to happen again it will happen again that's why history is there and as you rightly said conflicts like it is happening at an individual level within and outside at a team organization at a country level and now coming back to subject it's 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 a very tricky situation when we keep encoding the behaviors when we encode the circumstances within our brain so the solution is like this it's it's not a science based solution but it is the fact of the situation